Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inside Mentors Minds, where we dive deep into epic humans to find out where they got themselves to where they are today and the tricks and tips that they have to share with us. Today, we have a special guest on, Nathaniel. Thank you for coming on, brother. Thanks for inviting me to be part of your program, man. Awesome, man. This is exciting. Um, so I got... I found you through social media um, and I guess the, 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 the way that what drew me is I love that you do yoga for modern men. Um, do you want to just go into that for us and the viewers that are viewing you for the first time? Do you want to explain that for us? Sure. So I've been based in Bangkok for seven or eight years now. And uh, personally, I've been practicing yoga for over 10 years and teaching for about eight or nine years. And I guess I've been fortunate in the time that I've lived in Bangkok that I've um, I've developed a reputation and a bit of a network, I guess, of guys who live in the city here, firstly, who are interested in things such as uh, martial arts or powerlifting or just strength and conditioning, calisthenics or athletes or even a lot of guys who are more like... Um, high-profile executives, CEOs, some of my clients work at the embassies here, um, you know, just guys from all walks of life of all different ages, I would say, like between, I don't know how young we can start because I teach kids yoga too, but, you know, if you consider a man a man at the age of 15 or 18, whatever, right up until 60 or 70, I've worked with all different guys in the, the time that I've been living here. And I guess I started to notice... Um, probably like five years ago or so that there's a lot of men out there who are curious about yoga and the benefits it has to offer. They see the value in it. Um, they're prepared to commit a little bit of time to it. And they, they uh, honestly, um, they honestly want and, and believe that it can help them, but they're probably not the type of guys who are prepared to, go to a yoga studio class or go to a yoga retreat or they don't want to be taught in Sanskrit language or, you know, they don't want a lot of the sort of the philosophy and the, the dogma that goes along with it, which is totally understandable. So I guess about five or six years ago, I started to host um, workshops and sessions here, just like yoga for men, I guess. And then I more and more started to see like, well, they're not just men, they're men who are open to like, uh, you know, health optimization and um, becoming their greatest version, self-development. They're curious about breath work. They're curious about meditation. They don't just want to go balls to the wall with their training all the time. They want to implement proper recovery practices. They want to improve their flexibility, mobility, their movement. They want to feel good in their body, in their mind, and in their energy. And this is how I came across the concept of yoga for modern men. Man, that's so cool. <clears throat> it's so important to um, kind of in, in my research and what I'm developing within myself to have like um, a niche down uh, space for men. So, yeah, like, do you want to just talk to us and the viewers? How, how did you get into yoga? What was the, there's usually like a, a turning point or maybe a lower moment that got you onto yoga in this journey? Yeah, that's a cool question. So uh, when I was 23, um, I, oh, I guess it started before that, I guess when I was like uh, 
16 until 21, I was like in the punk rock and heavy metal music scene in Australia where I grew up. And um, I was probably like following more unhealthy and negative type of lifestyle habits uh, than Park, positive. Parkway, Parkway Drive? Yeah, my old band actually supported them twice and I'm very good friends with the drummer's brother. So he he actually came to visit me in Bangkok. His name's Jed and the drummer in Parkway Drive's name's Ben. So uh, Jed came to see me in Bangkok for a couple of weeks, like four or five years ago, and I taught him some yoga and stuff. Oh, cool. It was good to reconnect. Yeah, I'm still sort of loosely connected to that scene in Australia, but um, it can be kind of a, I guess, a negative or unhealthy type of scene. And I guess when I was like 21, I decided, okay, I'm just going to save up my money and uh, leave Australia, sell all my possessions and travel around the world. And after about six months or so, when I was 23, I decided I'd try out living in Canada, in Vancouver. And I, I was just going to sort of see what I could do for work. I was quite interested in snowboarding then, actually, yeah. and I thought I'd end up at a ski resort. But I was going to do like a, a short course in Vancouver for a couple of months. And I applied for a job as like the shift supervisor at the largest yoga studio in Canada, which has like over 800 guests go to classes there a day. What's it called again? Guests. It's called Y Yoga. Yeah, I, y. I went there. I went there. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's about seven or eight locations in the country. So do you remember which one you would have gone to? Or? Yeah, the exact one you're talking about. So there, there's like seven or eight that are all called Y Yoga. And the the one like uh, biggest one is in downtown. So I yeah. actually worked there. So, I had a um, yoga yeah. class there. Oh, perfect. So the, yeah, it was awesome. It was an inspiring, incredible community to be a part of. And I, I went to the job interview and I'm like, oh, look, um, I've never done yoga before, but I like customer service and I'm curious about yoga and uh I like helping people and that was pretty much it. And they gave me the job as the shift supervisor and that was cool. So I got to practice yoga every day for a year for free. What, and, what uh, year learned... was this in, Nathaniel? 2011. Okay. Okay. I did yeah, volunteer so I... there. I volunteered there once. Really? When was that? Which year? Uh, 2015. Right. So yeah, I have no idea how it sort of progressed or continued or it's what it was great. like. When it is a went... really great studio. Awesome. Yeah, I was such a high standard and I, I still feel like having done yoga teacher training in Thailand and Bali and, you know, lived in uh, and trained in India and stuff like this, like the standard in Vancouver in Canada is like some of the best in the world mm -hmm. for yoga. People really um, value and prioritize like a lot of uh, mm -hmm. what they get out of yoga. So, yeah, that's how I got started. Oh, that's so cool, man. Um, <clears throat> I love that. Um, yeah, you, you got your, your foot in the door in Vancouver. Um, that studio is really, a really great studio. Um, to be honest, I only volunteered like a week or something. And then I was like, this isn't going to work with my schedule. So I just ended up buying the pass instead. Um, but that's a, it's a really right. great studio. So how long did you Vancouver for? Uh, 14 months. I, I'm, oh, wow. Do you know Kelowna? You're from there? Yeah, I'm from Kelowna. Right. Okay. I've never never been to Kelowna, actually. I, I've just been helping a, an online client who's in uh, Nelson. That's right near there, isn't it? 
as well. It's a beautiful you know, place. When I lived there, I didn't really travel around much because it's so expensive to fly around the country. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Vancouver and Vancouver Island and that area is just awesome enough in itself and the ski resorts nearby. So uh, I was pretty content when I lived there for the year just to hang out and enjoy being based in Vancouver. That's awesome. Where did you live in Van? So I actually, I lived for one month in the West. And, and then for 11 months, I lived in East Hastings. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> the poorest part of the um, And it was weird because I actually lived in like uh, a hotel. And this hotel was sort of for like travelers and uh, international students and whatnot. And it was basically like on the... Um, the East Hastings Road, I guess, and on one side was like the the Gastown area, which was like the gentrified yuppie area, and then on the other side was like the East Hastings Road with all like the sort of the junkies, I guess. And yes, I, I was pretty weird. I remember one time, funny <laughs> funny memory, a lot of funny memories there. But one time I walked out of the hotel and I was drinking a beer, and the police spotted me, and they're like, "Hey, you can't be drinking on the street," and I'm like. Look over there, there's someone <laughs> like heroin in the street. And he's like, don't worry about what's going on out there. Just pour the beer out. <laughs> so so I'm, true. I'm Canada. That's so cool. So um, I'm curious, what, why did you choose Canada as your place to go to? Because my first time I chose Australia. Well, yeah, as you can probably guess, like, Part of the reason is that we're part of the Commonwealth and our countries make it easy for younger people to uh, live and work in the, the country with like, you know, I remember I was in Egypt at the time um, that I decided to, to go there and I was talking to my family and they're like, hey, we want to sort of uh, meet up for Christmas. Where are you planning to be December? And I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to go to the States and my parents really wanted to go to Canada. And so they're like, oh, how about we meet in Canada for Christmas? And my auntie and her um, her partner who he's passed away, but like my, my parents, my brother, my brother's ex-wife, my auntie and her partner all came over and we met up in Canada. And I'd already decided having been in Egypt and just like, I'm going to apply for a, a, a working visa for Vancouver. I'd already told my family like, I'll spend a month with you guys there. Then after that, I'm going to live in Canada for a year and see what happens with that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so the place you stayed, does it, ha it has a bar underneath it, right? Is that correct? Yep. So I, I, yeah, I know the exact place, which is not too far of a walk from the yoga studio, right? It's, it's a, yep. like so the place called uh, the, no, not the Cambi, the, 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 uh, Cam, what was it called? Starts with Cambie. a C. Is it Cambi? Ca uh, no, 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 it's not that. The Col <laughs> Columbia. Uh, I can't, I'll have to find out. But um, yeah, it did have a bar underneath it at the ground, like under the ground floor. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Some nights I'd be like, you know, party there, then just walk back upstairs sure. and go to bed. <laughs> sure. So what was that like, like um, living in that style? Well, because I don't know about you, but I'm almost hearing something similar, like through your um, evolution, did you have like a party side of you and then this like depth to you where you were heading towards spirituality and then they were almost sometimes conflicting because I can imagine being in that party scene and then going, taking your yoga mat in the morning 
and doing like yoga poses and meditation and all that. Bro, it's like it's like you've just sort of uh, seen a snapshot of my past. That's that's said perfectly. Like that was exactly what happened. And I um I guess like I've always been pretty good at committing to things when I commit to them. Um, and when I started with yoga, I'm like, okay, this is like something I got to stick to. And I might be out at, I, I was only 23, 24, then I might be out at 3 or 4 a.m. partying. And then I'll still be on the yoga mat in the studio at 9 or 10 a.m. ready for hot yoga and sweating it all out. And uh, I guess like that's a, an interesting part of my evolution in that I, I started, I guess, partying and stuff like that when I was like 14 years old in Australia um skipping school to smoke weed and get okay. drunk and what and uh i it's 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 always and it is still to an extent part of my life and i i don't i i i'm about to start like now i just did 30 days without alcohol and i'm about to do another, like another 50 day um challenge with some of my friends where I'd be partying so I do still like that sort of way of life but um I would definitely say that back then I had less balance and I would party more and I would um interfere with my healthy and positive lifestyle habits that were being newly created more and now I'm really comfortable with sort of allocating my time and my uh and, and choosing like, okay, so I'm going to go away with my friends, have a party weekend and I'm taking three or four days off my training, but I'll still like, no matter what for me, a non-negotiable is my morning routine, which includes a little bit of yoga, a solid amount of breath work and a solid amount of meditation and it takes like, you know, 40 minutes and no matter what happened the night before, I'll still do that. But never, I'd never like, um, go so hard that I'd lose myself and not be able to get through that. But uh, definitely yoga, meditation, breath work has really helped me to create more balance and really value like the, the positive and healthy lifestyle habits to the extent that they should take priority in my life. Man, I love that. I love that you're dedicated to that. Um, the feel yeah. goods, the natural feel goods. <laughs> exactly. Um, so tell me, I'm, I'm curious if you experienced this at the beginning of your yoga, because I uh, maybe just a bit earlier started doing yoga. But like when I first started, um, I, there was such a stigma around, like for especially for guys like to do yoga. And this was my selling point. This was my exact selling point to get out of like your gay yoga's gay. Why are you doing that? You're a pussy, like all these terminologies was am I gay to be in a room with women that are basically in their underwear that's gay but like the challenge was go ahead yeah so like I think again I was really lucky that I started in Vancouver and to be honest there were a number of um guys in the community who were who were gay I guess but uh for me it was fantastic at that age being like a a straight guy in that community and firstly like I never felt like a sense of um uh you know inferiority towards other men or anything because like it was promoted so positively in that community and there were guys from all walks of life who were either teachers or students who were interested in 
hiking or calisthenics or strength mm-hmm. and conditioning type stuff or snowboarding or whatever. There were there were men from all walks of life in Vancouver interested in yoga and there was never anything critical towards the men in the community. Um, I guess more I noticed it when I came out to Southeast Asia and I think I was lucky that the foundations for me of starting yoga had influenced me so strong, strongly that I didn't give a shit what people mm-hmm. thought or said towards me because I knew how it made me feel, how it made me function and how it benefited my, my life. Um, and I could handle the, the jokes and the criticism coming from other guys when they threw it at me. And I think the funny and interesting and rewarding thing for me has been seeing friends and family members of mine who laughed or criticized or whatever. Yeah. Like, and then a few years later, they're like, Hey, um, yeah, maybe I'll give it a chance. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I thought you'd, I thought you'd say that one day. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things I say to some of the people um, that are like kind of close to me. So clearly, um, in my journey, I was around the wrong community and friend group. Clearly, at the beginning, so I just didn't tell people I did it. I just went, and I'd go to like right. where was that? In, in Kelowna. Right. Yeah. I guess a smaller country town. Smaller, it's gonna smaller be- town. Smaller mentality. Um, I think yep. you can imagine potentially like think about you uh, at your age when you were with your heavy metal friends. And you told them like, yeah, I'm about to go to yoga. (laughs) Like what kind of comments? I was a crazy partier, bro, like addicted to cocaine and uh, alcohol. But that that side of myself, like what I say, some balance, but like uh, I did yoga to really help me through all that. So it was the first thing that it was the first entry point to like, oh, I can change my life type of stuff. Um, And it's a fantastic entry point for any guys who have these sort of um, less healthy lifestyle, it's because yoga doesn't ask a big commitment of you to get to get started and to see some benefits, say compared to like, I want to be a bodybuilder. You know, if you want to be a bodybuilder, you're going to have to train, you know, seriously and committedly every day, what's your diet. You can't, you know, you've got to, mm-hmm. you've really got to commit 100%, but with yoga, you give a small commitment and it gives a lot back. And that's why it's great. Or one yes. of the things that I mean, I, I, could, I, I just want to echo what you said too, man. I completely agree. Um, I think too, it's a really good entry to like starting to feel into your body. So something that um, was happening to me in the process is like, I was actually tuning into myself for the first time, um, which felt so good at the same time felt bad because I realized what I was doing to myself. So I was in a, like this constant contradiction because I'm like tuning into myself, but like I would go after a night out to get right into the hot yoga room. Um, sometimes just go with my mom. And that was something my mom and I could go do together. When I, when I say I was get called those names, like it didn't stop. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Like the moment you come in the room with me, I know you're going to want to do it too. And that's why I laugh yeah. when you say that because um, something I would say to people is like, as the world progressed, I'm going to become less and less weird. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I kind of knew that too. Like in Vancouver, I could, I could see, and I knew, I remember hearing that Vancouver had more 
yoga studios per head of the population out of all cities in North America. Yep. And um, I kind of knew that like Vancouver seemed to be like 10 or 15 years ahead, many other countries and cities um, in terms of their, uh, uh, their level of embracing yoga. But um, yeah, I think like, I guess uh, this isn't exactly what you were saying, but just going on about you saying that you're going there with your mom sometimes in the morning and stuff like this. Like what I say to a lot of guys who do get started with yoga coming from like a, a less healthy sort of place is like, don't uh, even worry about trying to, to cut out your negative lifestyle habits in the start. Like don't, don't try to do that because it may feel like you're, forcing yourself or changing yourself too quickly and in an uncomfortable and unnatural way. All I say is just make a small commitment, something you think you can sort of stick to of how regularly you're going to show up for your yoga practice, either in the studio or on your own, um, preferably with the help of a teacher who can help you to stay committed when you um, have a little bit of doubt or you're lacking your commitment. And what you'll see for every guy who I've worked with is that eventually you can just see clearly yourself how what you're doing outside of your practice is affecting you negatively and you'll you'll come to the, the point where you make more of a conscious choice about what you're prepared to allow to continue and what you're going to cut out then. But, like, don't, don't try to force it too quickly um, and you'll just see, like, yoga is very... Yoga is very uh, considerate of the person that you are before you start yoga. And I'm really, I can really humanize yoga as like a friend who can, who can help people who want to uh, optimize their health and uh, progress with their, their evolution, their spiritual evolution. So, yeah. <laughs> Man, that is so beautiful. And I just want to acknowledge you and thank you for helping men in this journey, dude. Like, oh man, we need some more soul brothers out there. <laughs> uh, representing for the heart, I appreciate it. And for men and connecting with men, um, it's something that I honor and feel really grateful for when I see. Uh, it really shows a depth of evolution because so often we're, we're led to believe we gotta cut each other down, we gotta pull each other down, gotta compete, all this stuff. And not that these mentalities don't help us grow, but like, I think that there's another way to do it. And I love that you're in that space of yourself and helping men through that. Um, before we get yeah, a little deeper into your work, I got a question. I'm so curious. What was your experience like in India? And I saw that you trained with a yoga guru too, as well. That, do you want to talk about your experience there? Yes, yeah, so I, I've just been to India once and I was really... Um, fortunate to go at the time that I went. At the time that I went, I had a, a good um, Ashtanga yoga teacher here in Bangkok from England who he had uh, studied in India for like almost 12 years on and off with our, our guru at the time, Master BNS Iyengar, who was a direct student of uh, Krishnamacharya who's known as like one of the Ashtanga masters. And my teacher at the time, Joe, decided to arrange like a, a trip to India for, for his students here in Bangkok. And 
we got to do like a special um, month of training with with Master BNSA Enga where he spent time going over the, the asana, the physical practice, the pranayama, which is the breathing exercises for anyone who doesn't know, and uh, the meditation practices as well as talking to us and teaching us more about like the philosophy and history of yoga. And Master BNSA Enga is actually still alive and still teaching today. And at the time he, he was in his 90s, 93 or 94. So he must be closing, close to 100 now and still teaching yoga and had been for more than 60 years. So I had a lot of um, takeaways from the experience. And one was that like, wow, that's pretty cool. Like, I guess yoga can help you to be kind of uh, healthy and positive and mobile and still keep uh, teaching and have sort of a long and um, along an enjoyable and positive career. And then also, um, I guess one of the takeaways I had at the time, which helped to influence me to become who I am today, seven years later, was that like, I am not uh, an, an old Indian man living in a village in India teaching mm-hmm. yoga. And so I could sort of take from the experience a lot of like, what could help me personally, but what I wanted to adapt um, into the way that I wanted to evolve as a teacher and to be able to help people because a lot of what he taught was not even relevant to me. So I'm like, I'm not just going to, I'm going to honour and appreciate this uh, history and this sort of um, this sort of person and this man who has really walked the walk and talked the talk for all of these years, but that's not me. I'm going to take from this what I can, respect and honour that, and then uh, regurgitate and recreate what I want to teach in a, a way that's more applicable to the people who I'm working with. So I'm not going to, like, just blindly uh, follow the tradition for the sake of it, but I mm-hmm. I will be respectful and appreciative of what I've, I've taken them from that experience. Um and it was life-changing and transformative in many, many ways. That's so special, man. That's such an honor that you got to be around someone like that. I'm curious. So what? someone that's been in the industry, and so I, I've also experienced yoga too. I'm so, what, what, uh, what, what in particular where you're like, this isn't going to resonate with me or I can't apply this in my life or in my teaching? What, what particularly? I think like in the older Indian tradition, uh, it's very much focused around like the guru knowing everything and the student or disciple knowing nothing. And part of this can be helpful for the way that the teacher or guru can help to remove doubts and help the student to overcome fears and anxieties and programmed um improper ways of relating to themselves and reality. But part of the way that like the older Indian yogic way of of teaching uh, sort of like tries to mould a student into just following and trusting that the guru is not very empowering. And I, I sort of disagreed with, and still do disagree with some of that because it doesn't really allow for the the student to develop their own sense of confidence that well. Um, it kind of keeps them always 
following and trusting their guru to the extent that they might not develop that confidence in themselves. So that's probably the main thing. And then also, I don't really see the need to learn or learn or use the Sanskrit language anymore. Um, I learned a lot of it, uh, like or a large extent of it for the purposes of how it relates to the yoga. And I just don't think it really adds any value to the practitioner. Um, so I think like the most important thing for me is really focusing on the true meaning of yoga, which is union or unity or harmony in the body, mind and energy and using yoga and practicing and following yoga as a way to create that state within your body, your mind and your energy for the purpose of refining and improving and evolving your relationship to yourself. And that will help to positively influence the way that you relate to other people and it will help to positively improve and enhance the relationships you have with others and therefore that will improve your quality of life. So that's really the most important part of yoga. And if people are prepared to acknowledge and follow that, then I think that that's enough. Wow. <laughs> um, just like I found out with my yoga, um, it was way beyond the mat. <laughs> exactly. it, do you want to maybe it, dive it, into that? Yeah, like... Uh, I guess like I see that if um, if your yoga practice helps you to start to make more positive choices with what you do in your life and how you feel in your life and how you think, um, the action that you take, the way that you're able to talk and listen to others, the way that you're able to sort of uh, be a friend, be a spiritual friend to yourself, and to the world, then that's that's an indication that your yoga is benefiting you. And we're not going for perfection and we're not going to blindly follow what was done hundreds or thousands of years by others. We're, we're going for how we can uh, embrace the wisdom of this ancient healing tradition and this ancient tradition, which has helped people for thousands of years to evolve their consciousness, um, if, if, if you're sort of able to relate to that in a way that is respectful and appreciative and positive, then you're, you're free to like, uh, you're free to create your own path. And I sort of like, something that doesn't come from yoga or doesn't come from India, but comes from someone like Bruce Lee, uh, who's like a, a Chinese martial artist. And I think sometimes like some of the Chinese uh, wisdom, such as that of like Lao Tzu or Confucius, mm -hmm. or, you know, even like I've, I've studied a little bit of like Qigong. I've had a very good Qigong teacher and like Shaolin Kung Fu and things like this. One, one quote I really like from Bruce Lee uh, adapt what is useful, reject what is not, and add what is uniquely your own. And I think that type of message is what is 
sometimes missing from yoga, <laughs> from the guru-student <laughs> relationship or way of teaching, which can also have its benefits. I'm not fully rejecting it or criticizing it. I think having a teacher can be helpful, but more like having a spiritual friend who can help you to become your greatest version and help you to continue evolving into the person that you're striving to become. That type of thing is preferable for most Western modern people. Or not, 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 let me get rid of the word Western, most international modern people. Right, right. Wow. I guess this is where the word modern came in for you. Yeah. Yeah, like the, the, the modern the modern man is someone or the modern person even for any women listen, but the modern person is someone who is interested in evolution, is interested in understanding and evolving their consciousness, is interested in health optimization, is interested in movement, is interested in, you know, um, self-development, is interested in being a citizen of the world, is interested in, uh, you know, anything else. Like for me, I'm I'm really interested in the martial arts community. That's a big part of who who I am and and what I'm uh, involved in here in Thailand and globally. And that's just one part of uh, being a modern man for me. And I think that a lot of people can relate to that. Obviously, the UFC is huge around the world in Thailand. Muay Thai and martial arts is huge. That's just one area of reality. If you're also interested in like um, gymnastics, calisthenics, movement, culture, if you're interested in any type of athletics, be it soccer, football, baseball, basketball, whatever, like that, you can also be a modern man who has a passing interest or some level of interest in anything like that. And then also be into like yoga and uh health optimization and spiritual evolution. I love it, man. Uh, you pretty much covered all the, all of it. <laughs> you got it pretty much all covered. That's so fascinating. So you said you're into martial arts and you said something about Kung Fu, like Shaolin Kung Fu. Have, have you been to, I don't know, do they let people in the Shaolin temple or are you trained under Shaolin monks or how does that work? I, I have not trained Shaolin Kung Fu in China. I've tra trained Qigong and a little bit of that here in Thailand with a very um, internationally respected and famous uh, Qigong teacher who has been trained in, in China by Shaolin Kung Fu masters. And her name is uh, Marissa and she runs an online platform with thousands of members called uh, Yochi, which is kind of like using some inspiration from yoga as well as um, Qigong. And then from starting to learn with her, I then bought a couple of online uh, Shaolin Kung Fu courses to learn a little bit more because I'm like, I was aware, okay, I've just had a female teacher. I want to learn a few courses online from male teachers too and sort of start to see a little bit more of... Um, how how this uh, whole uh, system and way of teaching can relate to what else I'm doing and, and everything else like that. So I'm very grateful for the entry point I had from my wonderful teacher, Marissa. That's so beautiful. So 
Um, do you want to just dive into your experience with Qigong and explain Qigong for anyone that doesn't know what this is? Yeah, like I'll relate it to um, yoga and other types of movement. I know it's not as common uh, like as yoga. And I think one of the reasons is Qigong is a lot more focused on energy movement rather than changing the physical body or working the physical body. Um, so the way that that would be similar to something like yoga is in yoga, like in like the sort of second stage after the asana, the physical stuff, we go more into the pranayama and prana means life force control. And chi is, the word chi is also almost the same or probably the same as the word prana. So straight away with qigong, when you start, you're just, focusing on the ways of optimizing the life force energy. So when you start to do Qigong, I think for people who just get into it with no prior energy movement or spiritual or movement practice, maybe it might seem a bit too abstract and mm -hmm. there's not maybe enough uh, form and technique to it. It could be hard for you to uh, commit to it or stick to it because you might sort of feel like, oh, um, what do I actually do? I know I'm breathing and moving a little bit, but it's not as sort of structured and uh, disciplined as like a lot of Western practitioners might be comfortable with. So I actually noticed like for Qigong, a lot of older people are more drawn to it because it's easier on their bodies and they can feel more like they're doing something while they're not doing that much. So for me personally, I will use some of the, the Qigong practices and I think like say for something that like people who have not any idea what Qigong is like the one of the good ways that they could see something that's like similar to Qigong might be like Wim Hof when he's doing something like um his uh ooh, ha, ooh, ha, right. like breathing and moving like in a horse stance or something like that that's kind of like a Qigong thing so it's kind of like you can't really maybe teach the position, but you might be able to teach the movement and the breathing and what you do with your body at the same time. And part of the goal is just for optimizing your chi, moving your chi mm -hmm. and being a chi or your life force energy. That's so cool. Um, it's something that I've deep as, as I uh, deepen my practices and deepen my peace, um, it's the type of movement that I'm welcoming in a little bit more into my life, um, uh, in, into my journey, because uh, that that mind body connection uh, in in that because I'm so I come from like gym world, right, where I'm developing yep. like almost like a hard mentality. So then to supplement the yin side of that connection with my body is really nice. Um, and I think for people yeah, that are beginning to meditate, too, I think it's helpful a good entry point yeah, to meditation it can be really helpful for that because like you're in a very calm meditative state but you're still sort of doing something and moving also i'm going to send you some uh video lessons from my teacher marissa and uh, oh, you'll be able to awesome. to practice them <laughs> yeah um they're really cool she's got some great routines that are awesome for the morning just or, or the evening just like you know, you want to do something, but you've already trained for the day or whatever. Mm -hmm. This is perfect. And uh, yeah, I think more and more people 
will open up to it over time now that yoga's become kind of more normal and mainstream as well. Um, and I guess like, yeah, for myself, I'm exactly the same. And I really believe and follow the idea of like, if we want to live in a state of balance and joy and harmony and strength, then we should focus on our training to greater or lesser extents on everything from the most yin practice of meditation, breath work, qigong, through yoga, through cardio and movement and play and sports and having fun to stronger stuff like gymnastics and calisthenics and, you know, powerlifting and all of that too. And um, we, we can be a little bit free in the way that we find that level of balance for ourselves. It can depend on who we are and who we're striving to, to be and become, but there needs to be some, some level of balance. And I see this time and time again with my clients. Um, if we don't have, if we're just too much yang and too strong and no softness, no no recovery, no peace, no balance, we're going to feel out of balance and we're going to start to have problems uh, show up in our mind, body or energy. And if we're too soft and we're too weak and, and we're, we're too easy on ourselves and we don't push and challenge ourselves, then we're also going to have difficulties too. So we need to find a healthy balance uh, moving between the two extremes and playing in the middle. Yeah, which is where the uh, cold and ice or the ice bath and the hot bath, right? In Nirvana. Again, one of my <laughs> favorite things. Yeah. Do you, do you have a good facility out there, kind of like Nirvana? So that's uh, yeah, a good question. I said at the start of the call, we've been in a, like a two-month lockdown here in Bangkok and my sauna and, and cold pool place has actually been closed at the oh, moment. Oh, man. Oh, that's I'm, a tough one. Yeah, like I'm a very uh, positive person, but I'd said time and time again to many people, the two places I miss the most right now, the park and my sauna cold pool place. And that is my favorite place to hang out here in Bangkok. Cool. And I've been going like six or seven years since I found out about it, two to three times, sometimes four times a week, every two or three days I go there. I spend a few hours sitting with my friends or just random guys who I know who go there, you know, do four or five rounds in the sauna. It's the hottest sauna I've ever come across, the one that I go to. The cold pool, not perfect. I've definitely been in better cold pools, but it's good. Um, but the sauna itself is the best hot uh, sauna. The community there is awesome. That's called Silom Sauna. So anyone who's watching who comes to Bangkok, hopefully it'll be open again soon. I recommend checking out Silom Sauna. Silom Sauna for an awesome community of international guys. Um, there's a lot of, like, we get, we get everyone there from, like, you know, cryptocurrency investors mm -hmm. to online poker players to CEOs, to athletes, to Muay Thai champions, to the, there's Japanese businessmen, there's Korean guys who own sex massage places in the city, there's Thai men who are the top level policemen, there's Thai mafia who go there and everyone in between. It's just a spot for men to hang out and get your recovery in and use the sauna and the, the cold pool. So yes, I love that and I miss it and I can't wait till it's open again. <laughs> wow. Uh, that place sounds awesome. Um, is it, it is. just specialized in like, is it just a recovery 
They don't have a gym? They have a gym there too. Um, so if you want to do your training, you can. For me personally, I just go there for my relaxation and recovery, but some of my friends use the gym as well. Um, the gym's okay. It's just kind of an old ghetto Thai style gym. Like if you want to do some rows and bench press and military press and some lat pull downs and stuff like that and get a bit of core work in, you can do that, you know? Okay. That's cool. Um, yeah. So for anyone listening, um, Nathaniel and I, we both share um, uh, interest and go to a gym called Nirvana Strength. Um, it's a beautiful facility. Um, Nathaniel, what was your experience like? When did you go there? How did you come across of it? So uh, if you're watching or anyone who knows them is watching, shout out to Ian and Johnson. And thank you guys for being awesome. I, I still chat to Ian um, occasionally online and, you know, he's a wonderful guy, wonderful head coach. Uh, I also did um, a few months of online coaching with Devin Kelly recently who, nice. who teaches and trains there at Nirvana. Um, so I was there for the first time back in, I think it was 2019, or even 18, probably 2019 when Nirvana opened up and training there for close to a month when I was in Bali. Um, that was fantastic at the time. I was probably newer getting into like the whole calisthenics and gymnastics and movement uh, communities, although I'd been doing like some sort of strength training for a, a few years. Um, my experience there really gave me a little bit more uh, inspiration and direction in terms of how I could continue to evolve my my strength type of um, training. And leaving there, I I feel like it, it, it inspired me for, you know, I, I guess that community still inspires me, but for, for like until I could sort of find uh, the right coaches and the right sort of way of training here, that, that helped to motivate and inspire and teach me a lot. And I'll definitely uh, go to the Nirvana Strength uh, location and be happy to be part of that community again when I'm back in Bali again. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't been to Bali again yet. And I miss it. I love Bali. So I can't wait to get back to Bali again. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, the guys, the guys have created something special there. And um, just like uh, I'm sure you experienced in your sauna, where you are in Thailand, but also there's some epic humans that come through the saunas in Nirvana and some great conversations as well. Um, when you were there, did you take all the classes then? Yeah, I did a lot of the different classes with um, Ian Johnson and the girl, Beverly, I think she was their old coach, an Indonesian girl who used to work there. Um, so yeah, I, I did the, you know, the all the different types of flexibility, mobility, strength, stability, handstand classes, and yeah, it was awesome. I was doing uh, one or two classes every day that I was there, and yep. we don't really have um, a facility like that in Thailand on the same sort of level or scope. Like we've got a few sort of smaller movement or calisthenics or gymnastic gyms here that are, I guess, geared towards that. But the, the, the way that like that community attracts people who are all into the same thing is something special. 
For sure, for sure. That's awesome. And so um, Devin Kelly has also been a big inspiration in my fitness journey too. Um, I was trying to get this guy to coach me, but he's been too busy. I uh, didn't have an <laughs> opening spot, man. Like he has not a spot. He's like, he turned me down actually. And I was like, man, I really want to learn from you, but timing wasn't right. So that's all right. At some point I still got him on my radar. Um, what are, if you don't mind yep. me asking, what, pardon me? Yeah. What, yeah, what, sorry, are, go ahead. what, uh, what are you guys, what are you guys training? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, definitely helped me last year for a few months with his, I wanted to follow his, uh, one arm chin up and handstand push up program. Okay. And, uh, yeah, he, he was really a helpful and uh, committed and um, uh, just cool coach to, to work with. And he gave me a really good starting point with the, the online coaching and I, uh, for, for that. And I guess the only reason or one of the main reasons I decided to stop was just because I was fortunate to meet uh, the Thai national champion in calisthenics here in Thailand. And he's now been my coach for the past six months. So he's been helping me to progress my calisthenics a bit more. But there was nothing uh, wrong with what Devon was doing. Yeah. It was just that I had with someone here who I wanted to work with. But um, I'd definitely work with Devon again in the future. And I'd highly recommend him to anyone who's lucky enough to find an opening in his schedule. <laughs> A good, bad problem, man. A good, bad problem. I asked, I've asked him twice now too. And he's like, sorry, man, I just don't have it. So it's all, just, it's all good. Just again. Oh, come on. You helped Nathaniel. Why don't you help me? man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, that, that's really cool. Um, so yeah, that's awesome that, uh, you're, you've been able to train that part of yourself. I've actually never been to Bangkok. Um, before is it like uh is it near the ocean or is it a city have you been to thailand at all you know what i haven't been to thailand either that's the place i haven't been to. all right so bangkok is the biggest city in thailand um by a long shot like the unofficial population is above 13 million people um it's about two hours from the nearest beach, which would be like called Bung Sen, but the nearest sort of beach town, which is known uh, to a lot of foreigners, is called Pattaya or Pattaya. I was actually there on the weekend. I've got a good friend who lives there, so I go down there probably once a month. Um, so Bangkok is, you know, a, a massive, overcrowded um, city that doesn't really have the, the the level of infrastructure it needs to accommodate the number of people living here. It has drawn people from all over the world and all over the country. There's probably like a huge one of the hugest divides in in wealth in terms of the poor to the super rich people that you can find in any international city. Um, at one point, a few years ago, for a number of years. It was consistently ranked the world's most visited city because it's such a, a cool city for travellers to come to to get, like, a taste of all different um, things from all around the world. Uh, I actually first came here when I was travelling around the world in 2010 for uh, a few weeks I spent in Thailand and I fell in love with it. I sort of knew I would come back here at some point. And then soon after I left Canada and Vancouver, um, pr probably like a year and a half after that, 
I kept sort of coming to Bangkok and leaving and traveling around Asia and going to Bali, going to Vietnam, going to Laos. I lived in Laos, which is like one of the top 10 poorest countries in the world. I lived there for nine months. And then I kept coming to Bangkok and feeling like, oh, wow, I'm back home again. And then I'd leave and I'd feel like I was leaving home until I finally thought, well, Bangkok feels like my home. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live there. So uh, I'd recommend anyone to come to Bangkok to check it out. Um, if you're like not at all a city person, give it a week um, maximum. Don't just give it two or three days if you have a bit more time because like it can be too overwhelming to get it. But if you're here for a week, I feel like you can get enough of a taste of it that you can benefit from um, getting to know a little bit of the lay of the city and getting around, trying a heap of the awesome food, meeting the Thai people, uh, going to a lot of the different sort of places, the cultural sites, um, depends what you want. There's sort of like a, a, a party scene here as well. There's all sorts of stuff for everyone. So I definitely love and appreciate Bangkok and recommend um, the people would come even yeah some of my friends from Bali I'll give another shout out to Dom who does uh, Dom and Nettie who do, do does origins nutrition and Nettie who does her mobility they came and hung out in Bangkok for a week and we went and ate like uh, our uh, beef buffets and they couldn't get over like some of the places I took them to that we oh, just yeah, got to right. eat <laughs> beef for a cheap price and you know they they loved it so for whoever you are, if you come to Bangkok, you you check it out. You'll 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 appreciate it for what it is. If you give it enough of a chance, that you don't feel overwhelmed by the size of it. Sure, sure. I mean, I think that's what I did India incorrectly with. You you want to go there with someone that knows where to take you, what to do. Then you're gonna get the real experience when you're trying to find these things in these crazy places. It is top. You gotta you gotta give it some time. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, if I come, I'll definitely hit you up. For sure, man. For anyone who wants to come to Bangkok, I'll always try to help with recommendations on accommodation and, you know, where to eat, where to go and meet up with me so I can show you a few places too. And then I think you can really um, get a good get a good taste of what Bangkok has to offer for if you want to come back here again or, or move here or something like that. So why why there over uh, Bali? Uh, why why here for what? Sorry. Uh, why did you pick Thailand or Bangkok over Bali? Um. So at the time that that that's kind of interesting. You say over Bali because it was actually a consideration between probably Bangkok, Bali, and Chiang Mai in northern Thailand, which right. is the second biggest city in the country, but it's very small in comparison to Bangkok, about a million people or so. And I guess like this was back in 2013 when I moved here. Um, firstly, Bangkok felt more like home than the other ones. And I had a couple of friends here. Uh, but I would say like the main overarching reason that I ended up choosing Bangkok was that I saw more potential for like me to be able to grow and develop myself and integrate myself in an international community as an international person who at the time was just kind of interested in sharing yoga and um, also being part of like a 
an international community where I could sort of socialize and network and meet a lot of people of all different walks of life. Um, yeah, so it, it felt like home and it felt like I wanted to be a small fish in a big pond rather than uh, a bigger fish in a smaller pond. <laughs> makes sense. That makes sense. That's yeah. what I'm always interested to know. I just, uh, I kind of landed here unexpectedly. So <laughs> um, I know right. that I, I'm, I'm a fresh digital nomad. So uh, I know that there's a couple hot spots around the world and that's one of them as well. Chiang Mai, I heard of Tulum, um, someplace in Chiang Mai is as well but yeah i would not i would probably not recommend living in chiang mai um to many people like i love it i've been there over 30 times personally i wouldn't live there probably ever because it feels overall it becomes a little bit too small um and i don't necessarily mind small places like i like phuket which is also a bit smaller and bali is smaller than Bangkok sort of thing. But for me personally, I like to be near the beach if I'm going to be somewhere in nature. If you love the mountains and you want to be in the mountains, Chiang Mai could be okay. But overall, for me, like after you're there for a while, it starts to feel a little bit small and it's not really a big city. It's a big town, but it's still awesome. And I recommend checking it out or spending even a short period of time there. I also wouldn't necessarily recommend people to live in Bangkok unless you specifically love cities um, but I'd recommend coming here and checking it out for yourself. Just depends what you want. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, uh, we all got different tastes and flavors of what we like, right? So it's definitely worth checking yeah. out. Um, so before we come to my, uh, I kind of do this question round uh, with yep. all my guests uh, on, is there anything on your heart that you want to share that you haven't been able to express about today? No, not at all. I came to this um, conversation with an open mind and I'm really, uh, yeah, uh, impressed by and uh, grateful for your, your ability to listen and ask uh, relevant questions. So, yeah, thanks. That's awesome. And uh, nothing, nothing I need to say or get across. Just um, maybe if anyone is listening and you've enjoyed the, the conversation, hit me up, let me know and Let's uh, connect. That's about all. Amazing, brother. Um, I appreciate all the work you're doing to support modern men. I think uh, it's powerful work and hopefully in our future we see more of it and it's welcomed more, not as seen as a weakness, but a strength. Um, I always Thank like, you so much. I always like us, uh, supporting each other, you know? It's like a, we're powerful together, you know? We're so much stronger. Damn right. Yeah, modern, modern heterosexual men who don't care if you think we're gay or whatever. <laughs> don't have a gay guys either, you know, like, but we just want to do and benefit from yoga and, you know, focus on self-development and health optimization and enjoying life, really, and that's it. <laughs> that's it, brother. That's it. Just enjoying the life, my man. That's awesome. Okay, so... Um, what I'm going to do is just ask you a series of questions um, and then yep. answer them as you please. Um, so to start out, uh, on your phone, besides the basic apps like Instagram, YouTube, and what have you, what's your favorite app? Um, which app would I say? Mm, let me, can I slide up and check? 
Uh, yeah, what, what's on my phone? <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to think what I use a lot. I use I use an app. This is one that I'll tell for anyone who comes to Thailand, which could be of interest. Oh, um, can cool. you still see or is my video no, we gone can't, off? We can't see you. Okay, I'll come back. I'll just think of two that I'm going to use. Uh, yeah, so for anyone who comes to... Oh, we're back again. Uh, now you're back. Yeah. For anyone who comes to Thailand, I'd say one app I like to use a lot is called Eat2Go. That's E-A-T-I-G-O. And the reason this app is awesome is it's an app where you can book restaurants and five-star hotel buffets and things like this at a 50% discount because oh. they're just restaurants or hotels or businesses here in Bangkok that want to um, increase their, their business. So, you know, I can book a, a hotel lunch buffet, all you can eat, oysters, beef, you know, seafood, everything you want, sashimi, um, at half the price you would normally pay for it. So I like that app a lot, eat to go I also use uh, Google Docs and Google Drive a lot. And I, um, that's one that really helps me to uh, manage my, my life. And I use uh, Binance because I'm interested in getting into or being part of cryptocurrencies evolution as well. So probably those, those few apps. Okay, awesome. <laughs> They're a little, little bit different. Yeah, you know, I appreciate that. That's really cool. Um, I think sharing the, the, like, the eat to go is like something you wouldn't know. But if you were to come to flying to Bali, like download the app called Grab or GoJet. Oh because then you can get it right from the airport and you don't get ripped off like oh. I did. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't say that either, but yeah, I use Grab here as well and uh, Grab food delivery and it's a, a great service as well. So yeah, fantastic. Which is um, basically uh, the version of Uber or Lyft yep. in Amer North America. Um, we and so if you, if, you wouldn't, if you were flying here to here or Thailand, you wouldn't think to download that on your phone. But imagine you download no. that on your phone and you know this one hack. So anyone coming to Bali, I'm going to give you a hack right now. But when you fly in the airport, download Grab on your phone. Don't get a taxi. Walk across the street and there's a station and look for the word Grab. And they will literally give you a taxi ride for even more than half the taxi drivers will charge you out of the airport. And you yeah, don't have um, to worry about, they, they, they show you the price right as the destination point. So it's computer done. It's not for human. Yeah. So that little hack, these things are so cool for when you're traveling. You just don't know. Um, Nathaniel, what's your most gifted book? Ah, my most gifted book. That's yeah, a good question. I really like uh, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Hey, yeah. I like It's Here Now, Are You by Bhagavan Das. I like Autobiography by of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. I like um, uh, It's Alive by Bruce, the Bruce Lee Autobiography. Um, I like, uh, yeah, that's enough. Just a few. Cool. Um, okay. So let's say you could set up a billboard in the busiest intersection in Bangkok. 
and it could say either a sentence, two sentences, a quote, and it would be a message you wish like so many people could see. What would that, what would you put on that billboard? Um, so would I, if I would be using, if I would be using this billboard also as a way of sort of uh, getting people to know about me and marketing me and who I am and what I'm doing, but I also want it to be relevant to other people. Maybe I would use the quote uh, by TKV Desika Cha, the success of yoga does not lie in our ability to perform postures, but in the way it positively changes the way we live our life and our relationships. Uh, for me, that's a really key quote and message of yoga and how I believe people should approach and uh, embrace yoga as a, a means of improving their life and their relationships. So yeah, let's go with that. That's cool. That's a cool one. I've never heard that before. And I agree with it. <laughs> um, so what's in the last six months, what's a, what's a new habit that you've acquired that's positively impacted your life? Oh, in the last six months? Uh, well, let's say um, within the last year, I'd say uh, walking outside. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it's an interesting one, but just like going for a walk, like we've been in off and on for the past year and a probably for the past year and two months here, uh, we've been in like pretty serious lockdowns in and out of them. And that's been a habit that I've really found has been good for mental health, just sort of putting on my headphones, listening to a podcast or an audio book or even just music, walking outside around the city and doing that. And uh, I think like uh, along with like my meditation, yoga, breathwork practices and everything else, it's just another thing that helps to keep me in a, a positive and good frame of mind and does something uh, healthy for my body and my energy too. So I think it's just an easy win that everybody can have is just going for a walk. <laughs> yeah, it's so simple. Um, so actually interesting thing about my place right now, um, I don't know if the dog situation's hectic in Bangkok, but I don't know if you remember here, but some, some areas in Bali, the dog situation's a little hectic. And you're trying to get that yeah. peaceful walk going on. And then also you got these guys barking at your legs and stuff. It's just, so what we do is we actually just do laps around the pool. <laughs> we just walk around right. the pool uh, to, right. get, to get the movement. Yeah, the, personally for me, the, the, we call them soy dogs because like, in uh, Thailand, the Thai word for small street is soy. So we call them soy dogs. So the, the soy dogs don't really bother me, but um, you have to sometimes sort of be a bit alpha to them and show them who's sure. the boss. And I've heard from some girls or some uh, guys who didn't know how to approach the dogs that they can be a bit aggressive. But, um, yeah, they don't really bother me, but that can be a thing here too. Oh yeah, you gotta you a hundred percent gotta show your elf here. <laughs> that's yeah. that's one of the things. Um, but like when I'm coming down from a high like high frequency work mode, it's like the last thing I want to hear is a loud bark in my brain. So I just say, you yeah. know, what? I can keep elfing these guys, but some of them just don't shut up. <laughs> so it's like I'll just keep they're the peace. Yeah, there, there's a lot of them in Bangkok depending on the areas you go to. And I guess I kind of live in a more affluent area. So um, I'm probably lucky here that we don't have as many soy dogs around, but there are still some. 
Yeah, because like volleys are quite, by the sounds of like volleys, quite a bit smaller. So there's there's like alleys everywhere. So there's soy dogs yeah. literally everywhere here. Um, okay. Yeah. So um, final final question. Um, yeah. What's something that five years ago, or maybe say before your yoga journey, that you believe to be true that you no longer believe anymore? Oh yeah. So before my yoga journey. Um, yeah, like I guess, uh, let me think specifically. Some of like the the yoga beliefs, like the ahim, other sort of yamas and niyamas, like uh, the things that the, some of the practices that like traditional yoga or yoga history and philosophy says you have to follow or do um, in order to experience the state of yoga uh i'm not going to get specific right now but some of those things um it's just bullshit uh <laughs> they, they 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 can be helpful guides but like the main thing is just really following the the practices um of the, the physical the energetic and the mental practices or yoga the physical yoga the breath work the meditation and then just being honest with yourself about how uh, other areas of your life are impacting you negatively or positively, um, but you don't have to. You don't have to. So the main thing for anyone who's listening, who you know is confused about what you have to believe with yoga and what you don't have to believe, like you just just figure it out for yourself and like read what you read and learn what you learn and then decide for yourself um, listening to your inner truth because like it, it, the, the whole purpose of the the yoga is like how you how you use and benefit the practices in order to create the harmony in your body your mind and your energy and that is not based on doing what someone a thousand years said you have to do mm -hmm. yeah I, I feel that within my personal practice as well. It's like, well, like we're abiding by some of these things. And like when these things were discovered, our planet was a lot different. And yep. so it's like, oh, well, we just do that because that's what we do. And that's what the centuries before did. And so I think that there's merit to the traditions and I think they were discovered and there's still human elements that trans, uh, go beyond time there's timeless truths but there is also like we live with social media social media was never discovered before we're living in a technologically advanced society so just a lot of things are different now so about trying to like morph that and so um i'm also uh, dreaming about a modern day ashram for guys like you and i like what does that place look like you know what i mean um that I where you go hang out at <laughs> say, say that again sorry i think it looks like nirvana strength <laughs> i know man <laughs> i know and they brought in yoga there now too and uh meditation yeah i saw that that's awesome i i, I knew they'd get to that at some point too so that's awesome <laughs> yeah there's some evolutions happening it's super cool to be a part of um so yeah. nathaniel i just want to thank you man for coming on and sharing your truth and sharing everything uh that you've experienced i mean not everything because there's obviously a lot more but uh sharing yeah. a bit of your piece um so if people want to connect with you uh where can they find you 
uh, just hit me up on Instagram or Facebook first. And then, um, yeah, if you want to chat somewhere different, we can go to Telegram or Signal or WhatsApp or something. But uh, yeah, reach out on Instagram or Facebook or I'm guessing most people use one of those nowadays. <laughs> and your full, your full name is, how would they find you? Uh, my full name for social media is Nathaniel Simha. Uh, Simha is not my real last name. That's just a social media last name, which means lion in Sanskrit. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, I just uh, chose. I actually chose that because when I when I started living in Thailand, I was working illegally, and I didn't want Thai immigration to know who I was. So <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Nathaniel N A T A T N I E L Simha S I M H A. Um, just find me on Facebook or Instagram and we'll go from there. Amazing, brother. Well, yoga for modern men. We need that help and I appreciate it. I just, again, want to acknowledge you for the work you're doing, for the support you're giving men and also giving support to men from a masculine frame. Um, I think that that's also really important. It, I, I, I feel um, that you have a heart, but you also got that lion in you. And I think that that combo is a really good combo to be a leader and a leader of men. So uh, I appreciate you. Thank and you man. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time and doing this with me, man. That was, this was awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks, Matt. You seem like a really cool guy and I can't wait to connect in Bali someday soon. All right, my man. All right. So for next time, uh, this was another episode of Inside Mentors Minds. Take care, everyone. Done. <laughs>